Welcome all your texts on double eight double three. That is the Tampa Bay Post text. I just want to quickly read one uh, from a very valuable member of our listenership, Jeff the Ref, saying, uh, <laughs> Hi Staffy and Sammy, I feel your frustration, Sammy, regarding referee standards. Referees Barnes and O'Keefe could have found penalty kicks at every breakdown from both teams, but they allowed the breakdown to breathe with good communication, which reduces penalties, which allows a good fast-flowing game. But there is far too many refs that are reactive with poor communication, which means they're looking for penalties, which leads to a high penalty kick count and a stop-start game from Jeff the Ref. Uh, Ben O'Keefe gave six penalties to each side, so a total penalty count of 12. There's a guy who's got a bit of a vendetta against Ben O'Keefe, actually, and he goes on YouTube and he analyses all of the decisions and puts them up on YouTube, and I watched it this morning. If Ben O'Keefe blew his whistle every time that guy wanted him to, the ball would be in play for about 10 minutes total, the whole game. So I'm all about letting the game breathe. Righty-o, righty-o. It is time for our Enterprise feature interview. Enterprise, they are the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. So Google Enterprise Recruitment if you need some help in that space because they've got all the help you need. And it is with Jamie Heaslap, the former Irish captain. So before we take that, I chatted to him yesterday morning. We're going to play it to you now. Let's just relive the closing moments of that epic test match. 37 phases and counting. Here's Kalahar. Strong shoulders on him. Over the top, Sam Whitelock. Over the top, Sam Whitelock. Sam Whitelock, you are magnificent. Sam Whitelock has forced... A penalty, and the game will be over. Sam Whitelock's career will go on, and the Irish will crash out of Rugby World Cup 2023. Always, always bet on black. Very privileged now to go up to the Northern Hemisphere and talk to, well, he had 229 caps for Leinster, but 95 for Ireland as well. He's part of the broadcast crew up there in um, the Northern Hemisphere in this amazing World Cup. Jamie Heaslip joins us. Jamie, uh, quarterfinal weekend is finally done. And quite frankly, I'm exhausted. How did you get through it? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm absolutely shattered. Uh, you know, uh, yesterday was uh, a roller coaster for us uh, all. Um, some ended up on a high, I'd say, down there. Some on a low up here. Um, it was like a wake uh, today um, around Dublin, uh, around Ireland. And then... Um, just you know, just watch the uh, probably one of the best games of rugby that I've seen in a long time in in France, South Africa. So uh, you know, it just shows that the fine margins. One point game uh, today. You know, Ireland game yesterday very tight, and both going right to the wire. You know, both teams pushed each other all the way. So just shows there's nothing between these top sides. But unfortunately for Ireland, you know we. Got to live with not getting past the quarterfinals for another four years. And um, New Zealand, uh, I've got a match against uh, Argentina and uh, England, who probably have had a, an easier route to the semis than most, will have a real test on their hands uh, next week now against South Africa. It's, it's a bit of a been a bit of a stinker draw and it's been talked about a lot and the fact that one Northern Hemisphere team is in the semi-finals and it's England and I don't want to poo-poo England but Ireland and France <laughs> yeah, I know you want to I know you want to <laughs> well Ireland and France are so much better teams than England um, it's it, it's a folly the draw and I hope World Rugby do something about it well I think World Rugby have said they're, they're going to look at it and uh, see if they um, can make that decision maybe a bit later. 
or closer to the World Cup. Um, but, you know, let's, you know, you should have, could have, would have, you know, if, but the maybes. It, it, it panned out the way it panned out. And, you know, you know, yes, would it be nice to have an easier draw? Yeah, did we just see, you know, two of those quarterfinal games were like epic, were finals in themselves. And I, mm-hmm. and I remember I, I was listening to stuff during the week and I heard Richie McCaw speaking and him almost saying, you know, well, sometimes quarterfinals are higher than an actual final mm-hmm. um, in, in a lot of regards. And we've seen, you know, uh, like what has it done? You know, quarterfinal kind of puts this different type of pressure on teams and, and people react in all sorts of strange ways and, um, you know, strange moments appear and, and it's a team that, that take the moments. And if you look at New Zealand game yesterday, you know, three opportunities, three tries, and they take them. Uh, Ireland pushed them all the way, but, you know, still not as accurate. I think New Zealand were the better team on the day, but not by much, but were the better team on the day. Um, and then, you know, South Africa probably were the team today that didn't make as many uh, mistakes as as uh, France. Um, a lot more ruthless, had a very deft, you know, um, strategy when it came to a, a really good kicking game that they deployed. Not the kicking game. When we say kicking game these days, I think a lot of people think of the way England are kicking. But um, South Africa really kind of targeted um, the edges with, with France getting their, their their big back rows into those wide edges, you know, 50-50 balls, you know, they go two-phase, middle field, cross-field, high kick, and it can go anywhere and spills for one try uh, for them. And then another little death kicking game by, uh, I think it was Deande, uh, or I think it was Deande, I can't remember, uh, put it through uh, for Kobe in the edge as well. So just using a really good kicking game to, to catch these teams off guard, and then the defensive system just shutting them down. And, we talk about defensive systems. You think of yesterday against, uh, you know, Ireland-New Zealand game again. You know, what a defensive effort by New Zealand. I think they made 100 tackles in the last, like, quarter alone in the game. Um, just phenomenal, phenomenal stuff, um, which which they can be proud of. But I think, you know, <clears throat> uh, well, two of the teams, anyway, going home can be immensely proud of uh, of the effort that they, that they put in. And I think they... Um, they did their countries proud, uh, and have done a lot, done a lot. Of, definitely in Ireland, anyway, they've done a, a lot to to bring kind of the collective supporters around the island of Ireland, bring them together, and be proud in the game. And, and the same in France, you know, I think they've they've gone a long way to doing the French people proud. Just talking on Ireland, we we had calls and texts last week to the show um, and I remember one in particular and a guy said it's the Irish rugby team of the last two or three years that's made me fall in love with rugby again and while we were disappointed with the series loss here in New Zealand Ireland entertained delighted us and you know uh, anyone that's playing the All Blacks of course we cheer for the All Blacks and it was sort of sad in a way that we got <laughs> Ireland so early but th- this was the cycle for Ireland wasn't it this was this was the moment the draw didn't stack up that well for you you met a New Zealand team who played their best in ages what happens with yeah. Irish rugby from here because Jamie um, they've been phenomenal I, you know what and and I was I was talking during the week about you know, I remember, you know, pre-2016, before we even beat New Zealand, right, We, they were the standard setters in terms of um, 
how to play the game, being on the cutting edge of, you know, always evolving how they're playing it. And, and, and they were number one in the world for God knows how long. But, you know, so dominant in that kind of back-to-back World Cup um, phase, for example, right? And then I was kind of saying that in a, in a really strange way, Ireland kind of set the standard for the last two years, mm. um, two and a half years, um, through, through, you know, massive effort, you had a, a young crop of players coming through who only knew how to win, particularly against guys like like the All Blacks. Uh, and then you had some people who had a couple of war wounds on them, like Johnny Sexton and that, uh, who, you know, would kind of give, tell them the experience, tell them what it means um, to represent Ireland. And I think in a strange way, then COVID as well, when you, when you think of the COVID effect, it kind of, I think they realised, you know, um, the importance of the connection between the supporters and Ireland as well. Definitely here at home, and this team has done a lot to to win the hearts and minds of the whole island of Ireland. You know, not just kind of like the main areas, let's say, where where rugby is played by the professional clubs, but all the, you know, um, all the amateur clubs throughout, all the community clubs throughout the island. Um, they've done a huge effort to to bring them along, and and in the way that they played, in the way that they carried themselves. And I think that kind of then, you know, spread. I thought that that infectious way that they were playing spread throughout the world in terms of being a real joy to watch. Mm. Um, we play to our strengths. We're not a big side, but we can be, you know, a very well drilled, a very good, you know, skillful side. Um, and we have a great system here that can that can bring those players through. You know, four professional clubs. Uh, the spine of the team is currently coming from one team, but you know, while a lot of these players will be here in four years' time. Um, you know, icons of the game. People like Johnny Sexton won't. And then you kind of go, you know, how how do you replace someone like that? Um, you know, the gap between him and everyone else in Ireland is, you know, in that position is is huge. But you know, I texted Johnny um, this morning, and I kind of said, you know, it wasn't the fairy tale ending that he deserved. Um, but he can be immensely proud of of changing the expectation around the 10 position and the Ireland jersey for the, for the better. And that he, you know, the last time he hangs that jersey up on the peg, it is most definitely left in a better place. And, and uh, he could be immensely proud of that, but you could say that to each and every player that, you know, when they put the jersey back up on the peg after the game yesterday, you know, they've left it in a better place. You know, they've built on, be working these four-year cycles, they're better than 2019, you know, and, and 2019 signed were better than 2015. And, um, you know, hopefully they can build towards a really good cycle and use these learnings, just like, you know, New Zealand did in the past before they went back-to-back. Um, but, yeah, that's being, being romantic about it, I suppose, <laughs> but uh, I, can't, I can't help but, but uh, you know, live in optimism. Andy Farrell, uh, a Brit, has become uh, one of Ireland's favourite sons, I would imagine. I love the way he conducts himself. I love the way he's uh, immersed himself in being Irish, along with our Kiwis over there. We're really proud of Bundy and Jamison Gibson Park and James Lowe. There's something about the Irish that makes you want to be Irish, isn't there? And and you you really do embrace these people because I've talked to James Lowe about it. He just loves it there. Absolutely loves it there. But I wanted to ask you about Andy Farrell. Um, will he go another cycle? Uh, 
I would love to see him go again um, and, and bring it through. I, I'd, I'd have to double check my notes on on if he's already signed up or where he is with it and all that. But I think uh, if he wants to, it's there. Um, we've got a really good youth, you know, youth pipeline of players coming through. Our under our under twenties have been doing very well over the last few years. So you know they'll be coming through in this next kind of cycle. I know we'll miss players, like I said, like. Uh, Keith Earls or Johnny Sexton um, you know you look at others I don't know if Ian Henderson or Peter Romani will be there in four years time um, so you'll have to replace that but there is such quality coming through um, like a Jack Crowley at 10 uh, Sam Pendergast at 10 who was playing in the 20 World Cup this year uh, Joe McCarthy who came on there yesterday a lot of quality coming through Jimmy O'Brien another one um, but it's all done from the top down you know and, and Andy you know, Andy's done really, really well to to build on, like, so in Ireland, you know, a lot of the team or the core of the squad are coming from one team. And a lot of the coaching done there was done by Stuart Lancaster, who definitely kind of evolved the skill set of all the players. He had all these ball playing forwards as well as backs in this really good multi-phase attack, which, is, which was built on the really good work of, of Joe Schmidt, who was really good at, you know, coming up with these kind of, uh, launch plays that were kind of broke down defenses, and, and and Andy's built on on the good work of both of them mm-hmm. in terms of getting a really good management team around him. He's got people like Mike Cash, John Fogarty, uh, Paul O'Connell, all former players there. You know they've all been there. Andy Farrell himself has been there, and um, so he 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 did a lot around the culture, around the guys being really excited to come into the camp, and you know creating a really happy environment for them. An environment that they really want. They 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 were, they could be vulnerable in. They could be themselves, and then that gave them almost you know built that trust between them all, and and a t- and a team that that you know trusts each other is, is definitely a team that will play for each other. And, and the way Ireland play is a very cohesive style. Um, I think this is probably the best side that we've ever had. Um, there has been better players in Ireland teams in years gone by, but this is if you were to like take the average score of all the players. This is like the best side Ireland have, and that's that's what Andy has done. You know, he's he's looked at it from a three sixty perspective and and tried to build it all up. And you know, I think it's fair to say, and and you'd probably agree with me that that game yesterday could have gone either way. You know, um, from from an Irish perspective, two cross field kicks, Dan Sheen nearly gets one, Peter Romani nearly gets one. You know, and and uh, the hell up by Barrett off the off the off the mall. As well, you know, they're they're the margins in this in this game at this level, and they can be immensely proud that they've uh, they've driven those standards. And uh, let's hope that Andy will take it and drive it uh, again for another four years. Yeah, I don't know if you heard it up there talking to Jamie Heaslip, uh, former Irish international. Don't know if you heard up in the Northern Hemisphere the huge sigh of relief when the All Blacks uh, the full time whistle win in that game. Uh, <laughs> f- <laughs> finally, Jamie, um, let's not waste auction unless there's a monumental upset in the semi final. It looks like New Zealand South Africa in the final. Yeah. Um, from what yeah. you've seen, who shapes up better to be crowned world champs between those two? Oh well, I have to be I have to be uh, conscious of my audience right no, here, right? No, now, don't no, I? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you know, um, like I, I look at I look at this South Africa just because South Africa is fresh in my in my mind right now, right? Um, 
Razi took over that side not long before the 2019 World Cup. And he, at that time, when he was presented to that South African board, he talked about you know 2023 being the actual goal and building towards 2023. And, um, you know, he... Obviously, they went well in 2019. They won the World Cup. It's almost like they got a, a free shot, I mm-hmm. suppose, now, or it's the icing on the cake. But he's when he took that over, he, in order for them to get to where they needed to be, you know, you have people... Um, you know, the coaching staff behind the scene, you know, Felix Jones, uh, uh, an honorary, well, he is an Irishman, um, you know, behind the scenes, kind of developing this all-round football, you know, passing ability of their forwards, as well as having this unbelievable power game up front. And then kind of developing this good passing game, inter, inter, interplay between forwards and backs, also developing a, a, a really good mix-up of um, kicking games and kicking threats. And so they have a lot more strings to their bow now than maybe South Africa of years gone by. Um, and I think they're a real, real threat. And they've been kind of consistently building that over the last, you know, four years from World Cup to World Cup. Mm. New Zealand, I don't think, have been consistent. Mm. Um, or consistent enough. That, or or what we used to used to see, right? And I, I think that's a fair statement to make. Um I think the the addition of someone like a Joe Schmidt getting more involved following the the series loss um, in New Zealand is is good, uh, and uh, the forwards coach from the Crusaders name escapes me right now. Uh, he him getting involved as well. You know they have really like they they were ferocious at the rook, ferocious um, on both sides of the ball, and you could see. I could, I could see from being in Jones' environment, um, the, you know, Leinster in Ireland, him focusing on the de- really good details there that that you you need these ba- you know brilliant basics of of knowing when to 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 not go for the offload and two barrels blow over so you get rid of quick ball or when you're defending, knowing when to go for the poach and when not. And you saw that yesterday with New Zealand; they were so clever on when to go for the poach and when to just fan out. And very clever with saying, okay, Ireland, you're not going to go through us around the rook or in the middle. We're going to force you to go and attack the edge. And Ireland did. And they did it brilliantly as well at times. But New Zealand were really, really clever in that. And then really clever in taking their opportunities. Um, I think of the Jordan try there. You know, they obviously spotted something and scouted something um, with how Ireland defended the back of that line, particularly with the prop, and exploited that. Um, and it ju- you just see those kind of brilliances. So, I think over consistency, I'd probably weigh towards South Africa. But the fact that New Zealand are peaking at the right time, you know, and they played some really good footy yesterday, um, you know, it, it, again, it's, it's a toss of coin. But you put a gun to my head, I'm probably going to say South Africa. Fair enough. Fair enough. And you've made a very good case, uh, Barrister Heaslip. Well done, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It's, I, I still think it's going to be it's going to be a tight game. You know what I mean? Mm. And the extra day that New Zealand have is going to be going to be kind of huge. Oh, sorry, it doesn't really, you know it doesn't really matter in terms of that. But like the, the cost, I think South Africa has to expend more of a cost physically than uh, than New Zealand. Mm. Um, just looking at the way the two games were, but you know those South Africans are you know they're absolute athletes. So I, I don't know how much of a factor it is, but there's, there's nothing between these two sides if they get to the final, which I think we can both agree that that is a high likelihood. 
Jamie, he's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Uh, one of the most capped Irish forwards. And um, I am genuinely sorry that the World Cup campaign has come to an end for the Irish team, who's given the well, world of I rugby think, so much. I think, uh, I think Paris is, because by you know we had, I think yeah, on Friday, travelling over, we had 60,000 people travel over from Ireland alone for that game. 34 or 36 flights on the Friday alone from Dublin wow. to Paris. Um, you know the the support has been immense and I think all the Parisians are going to be gutted now particularly all the publicans who own the bars over there because (laughs) you know that Irish support isn't around for two more weeks and I'm I'm pretty sure we've seen all their antics all over uh, social media Um, so but look alas we have to wait another four years we do, we do, and they are a thirsty bunch, the Irish. I do hope that the Irish team get a very warm welcome home when they do make their way. Jamie, really, really do appreciate your time. It's a busy schedule for you. Enjoy the next couple of weeks. I'm sure it's going to be a banger. No worries. Thanks, man. There he is. Jamie Heaslip chatted to him yesterday morning, uh, New Zealand time. Uh, Makes some very good salient points. That was our Enterprise feature interview today. Uh, Enterprise, they are the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. Got a lot of text messages to get through. We'll, We'll start on them after the break.